Welcome to It's Husker Sports Weekly, your one-stop shop for all things Husker Sports. Episode number 104 coming at you this week. We apologize. We took a week off. And because school is a thing and it was consuming our lives. And we're here. And we're here after uh, a week of football. And Nebraska dropped the game to Minnesota over the last weekend. So we'll talk about that momentarily. We will talk Husker women's basketball and Husker men's basketball starting off their 2022-2023 seasons. And we will preview this weekend's game at the Big House against the Michigan Wolverines. But before we get into any of that, Connor Clark and Grant Hansen here with you. As always, you can find us on Twitter at C underscore Clark underscore 27 and at Hansen, not Hansen. Ian, not Owen. You can find our show on Twitter at Husker Weekly, and you can search Husker Sports Weekly in the search bar of your favorite podcast networks to find our show. So a quick rundown. Nebraska lost to Minnesota last weekend at home 20-13, to a game in which Nebraska started fast and then did not continue that pace for the rest of the game. They went to the locker room up 10-0, and then five straight three-and-outs happened, six straight punts happened, and that's essentially all she wrote. Ethan Kaliak-Manis came in for an injured Tanner Morgan halfway through the ball game. He played very well as a redshirt freshman quarterback, and he did enough for the Minnesota Golden Gophers to get a touchdown win on Saturday. Grant, you were in the building. You were you were actually calling on, on yes. What did you see? Because I I was run I was back home this weekend for yeah. the, the listeners and running around and doing a bunch of stuff. But what did you see on the field on Saturday, and why do you think obviously besides the offensive struggles, uh, Nebraska came up short? Well, I mean, we'll start here. I mean, they came out, Minnesota came out of the half and immediately started bombing the ball. <laughs> Play action. Uh, they targeted Malcolm Hartzog. They knew where they were going to go. And they knew that with Ethan Kaliak-Manis in the game, there's certain things you could do, be a little bit more, I don't know how you would say it, maybe a little bit more aggressive especially downfield. I think he opens it up a little bit. Yeah, a little bit more so than Tanner Morgan. And there is definitely, at the very least, a dedicated change and focus in the play calling after that. So, you know, I, I think that was a thing that immediately came to mind. And then, you know, once Nebraska's offense couldn't deliver, Minnesota worked their way back in, built a lead, and then they could play their type of football. And it was a very steady, steady diet of Mo Ibrahim the rest of the way. In fact, on the last scoring drive from Minnesota, it was eight consecutive run plays to Mo Ibrahim. Uh, and that was set off, by the way, by, by Chubba Purdy turnover. So that was the only turnover of the ball game. Um, you know, like Nebraska started fast. They were good on script. They got off script. Not good. Uh, and somehow, with the benefit of a couple of favorable reviews down the stretch, Nebraska was actually in position with two minutes to go to drive down the length of the field and tie the game. But then you had the drop from Trey Palmer. Uh, that was that loomed large, certainly on fourth down. But there were other drops throughout the rest of the game. I mean, Travis Vokalek had a drop in the end zone in, in, you know, on the first drive, rather than on the second drive. And Chubba Purdy who did not have a good day by any means, 
did drop a pretty sweet throw in there between three defenders, which you know maybe it was more luck than skill, but it got through to Vokalek, and he couldn't haul it in. And that was the start of Nebraska's offensive decline, touchdown opening drive, field goal there after you got inside you know, in a, in a, in a goal-to-go situation. So, you know, plenty of missed opportunities abounded on the offensive side. And again, you know, for the second time in as many games, Nebraska is too reluctant to go to Logan Smothers when it's clear that option B is not working. You got to go to option C. And option C seems to be the uh, correct option in, in this multiple-choice equation, if you will. Just a couple of numbers from that Saturday ball game. Two quarterbacks for Minnesota. Tanner Morgan went 6 of 8 through the air for 38 yards. Callie McManus went 6 for 12 for 137 yards. So, as Grant mentioned, they were really opening up the playbook and airing it out. Once he came into the game, Mo Ibrahim, 32 carries, 128 yards, two touchdowns on Nebraska's side. Purdy went 6 for 16 through the air for 41 yards and an interception. Logan Smothers, 5 for 10 for 80 yards on the ground. Anthony Grant with 21 carries for 115 yards. Chubba Purdy, 6 carries, 24 yards. And that one touchdown that Nebraska scored. 10 points in the first quarter. They did not score again until the fourth quarter. Minnesota with 10 points in each of the third and fourth quarters. It's a broken record at this point. I get it. Quarterback injury has obviously been a big issue for this team, but it's just the second half. Minnesota, give credit to them. They made the adjustments that they needed to, and, well, Nebraska straight up didn't. That's interesting too, right? Like, isn't that the first time really this year that we can definitively say that it felt like Nebraska didn't make good halftime adjustments, or at least the first time in this new administration? You know, like, that was evident really for the first time. Uh, and again, like it just, it further underscores, you know, unfortunately why Mickey had, well, not, not even unfortunately, just why Mickey Joseph should not be the head coach for this program. And there's a ton of people, there are a ton of people out there that were singing his praises following the two victories over Indiana and Rutgers, just really because the team got back to 500 and Certainly, there were a lot of things to praise in that time, but two games is really certainly not enough to make a long-term decision like the one that's sitting on Trev Albert's plate right now. And everything that has happened since then would certainly indicate that he is not the right man for the job. And I think, first and foremost, the one that's going to be on folks' minds really throughout I would guess probably the rest of the season because it seems like this issue is going to persist this this Chuba versus Smothers OC versus head coach you know sort of battle is going to persist so it's it's a really fascinating thing that we're getting this late in the year but it's clear who's winning the battle at least as of now and that's Mark Whipple and so if you're OC even though he's old, but you know he's experienced, but he's a lame duck OC. He's not going to be around in the next administration. If you're getting pushed around, that's not good. And you know maybe things change this week. It seems like you know there's a dedicated effort to you know investing more in running the football. It seems that way. 
At least that's what Coach Joseph alluded to. That there's that that comment about three and four yard runs and needing to be satisfied with that. That drew a lot of attention on Tuesday. But look, what we've seen so far in games is that Mark Whipple has won this battle thus far. That's not something you can have in a head coach. It is not. I agree with you. And they face what is uh, a 100,000-foot mountain in the form of the Michigan Wolverines this weekend on the road. We'll get to that game in later in the episode. The spread on that is now 30, I believe, as far as this morning goes. So that is an alarming number when when it comes to uh, Nebraska football. But we'll preview that game later in the episode. Let's jump to basketball real quick because that season is finally here. And we've talked about it for the past couple of weeks. The men's and women's team both got going on Monday night. Well, the women's team played on, at noon. And then the men's team went on 7 p.m. on Monday night. And the women's team... Got off to a really good start with an 100-36 win over the University of Nebraska Omaha. Five Huskers in double figures, including Izzy Bourne with 21, Allison Widener with 19, Markowski had 13, Maddie Kroll in her first start as a Husker, her first game as a Husker with 18, and Annika Stewart had 10 off the bench. Widener also, despite being a guard, chipped in nine rebounds and three assists as well. She had a great game. This was just a really well-rounded performance. Jazz Shelley, although only scoring five points, shared the ball really well, had 10 assists, and we know that's kind of her identity now. She can score, obviously, but her distributing ability is absolutely fantastic, um, and, and that's been a big thing for this Husker team. But 136 over the in-state rival, just 45 minutes down the road, that's not blue and white. Um, an impressive start for Amy Williams' squad, and that 22nd ranking, obviously, very well-deserved in the preseason. They showed it uh, at noon on Monday. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised with that Widener stat line. Uh, and I don't know if there's a lot of Nebraska folks who actually even were. Because that's just kind of her – that's her style, you know? Like, she is very much not afraid <clears throat> to go down there and battle for boards, to go down there and make hustle plays – that is why I think she's so respected. And, you know, her ability to finish within, you know, six to eight feet of the basket, or rather rather, rather two to eight feet of the basket, is also excellent. She does a really great job of finishing off two feet uh, and finishing strong. And, you know, that's something that, you know, it's not super present. I don't, I don't really think in some of the higher levels of the game, or at least it's not even thought of as much. But you get down to like D1, D2, C1, C2, like that is a very present thought, I think, among a lot of coaching staffs. And it kind of fits that D1, D2 sort of style that she's still playing here and also sort of fits the Big Ten too. Uh, so I'm not super surprised by that. The Shelly number, I think, is the most interesting one. Again, like the fact that you have your leading scorer from last year scored just five points and then spread it around, like when you're in a position and there's still a long way to go, obviously game one, game one. But when you're in a position where you dominate in the way that you did and your leading scorer barely did anything herself, like just by herself to accomplish that. I mean, that's a big win, especially when you're trying to figure out like, how do we do this without Sam Hybe? Uh, that is, I mean, that is a really, really important sort of victory 
to and to do that to an in-state foe on on Monday. I will add, she had four steals as well as is those ten right. assists, which is a very very high number for basketball. But yeah, it, it's nice to see her being able to distribute the basketball. We saw that a couple of times last year. You mentioned no uh, Sam Hybe, so how do they kind of fill the void there? Clearly, they did that very well against Omaha. It will be a concern, almost guaranteed at some point during the year. Obviously, we don't know when because they don't hit conference play for another couple of weeks until December 4th when they open up at Maryland. But in the non-con, they, they face you know power conference teams such as Creighton. They play Mississippi State. They play Virginia Tech. Um, which is on the road, as well as the Creighton game. So we'll see. Very important Houston Christian game on, on Friday. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, and we'll we'll see how the team kind of adjusts there. Uh, I don't know, maybe, Grant, you'll get a courtside look at how they adjust to it. I was going to say, that's with, not me. With Houston Christian. It's not me dissing Houston Christian. I know. That's, that's a that's shameless him, plug. Yeah, it is a shameless plug. If you want to pay for Big Ten Plus, go watch Grant on Friday at 8 p.m. Hey, oh, wow, that's 8 p.m. It's a late start. Wow, yeah. I didn't I didn't realize that. Yeah, it's finish the game, go home, go to sleep. <laughs> it's going to be one of those nights. But, yeah, Houston Christian, their next game, November 11th, which is Friday, 8 o'clock. Um, you can watch it on Big Ten Plus with Grant on the call, or you can listen in to Matt Coatney on the Husker Radio Network. Um, and then the next two games are on the road at Creighton at 6 p.m. That's on November 15th, which is a Tuesday and then Saturday, November 19th at Drake at 2 p.m. in Des Moines, Iowa. So good start for the women's team. Uh, really nice to see them go out there and dominate uh, again. It was kind of an expected effort, but um, it's always fun. I, I think they're one of the more fun teams, honestly, to watch. Just They're so exciting. They get up and down really quickly. The, yes. the atmosphere there on Monday, too, was great because there Very were high pitched. like 30,000. 3,000. I wish. That would be sick. 3,000 middle school kids there um, from all around Lincoln and in the area, too. And you combine that with the Husker fans that showed up. There were over 6,000 people at the game for a noon tip-off on Monday. Pretty well attended. It was really cool. Um, And when they hit the uh, 100-point mark, Kroll hit a a corner three, and you would have thought they just won on a buzzer beater because it was so loud in the place. That made it 136. So. I don't know how Omaha felt about that, but it, it was a good atmosphere <laughs> altogether at Pinnacle Bank Arena at noon on a Monday, which is really, really cool to see. Later that day, at 7 o'clock, the Nebraska Cornhuskers men's team took on the main Black Bears, and this game was, well, a little bit closer. Nebraska won 79-66. to It got a little scary there early in that second half. Maine put on, and I, I think I can say this with, Full confidence, one of the best shooting clinics in college basketball in like a span of five minutes I think I'd ever seen in person. They could not miss from three. At one point, they were 11 of 21 from beyond the arc, and that made it a one-point game at one point. Nebraska would end up going on a 14-1 to run, and that would really separate them for the rest of the way. But for a moment there, looking on in the student section, it was like, Oh no! This is this has got Western Illinois written all over it. Yes, but I think the veteran leadership of Sam Greasel really kicked in. He had 18 second half points, looked really good. Eight of 12 shooting, 22 points, nine rebounds, and three assists for the Lincoln native. Um, And again, there there are concerns that I can point out um, with this team through one game. Again, just one game. 
Um, but I like the way that they responded to Maine's run and they really got back into the ball game because I don't think last year's team does that this early in the season, and they did it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's definitely a good sign, and they did it without Derek Walker too, right? Which that is arguably one of the weirdest situations going right now in Nebraska athletics. Yeah. Uh, you know, just talking with my colleague, I guess colleague, your colleague, uh, Robin Washit over at Husker Online. Like Robin's like. You know, it's a it's confusing to him too. It's kind of you know it's certainly odd. Um, it's very murky. What did they call it? What did he even call it after? Uh, like a non health? Was it a non health related issue? It's, it's a health care issue. Health care, yeah, health care issue. It, Which is a it weird sounds very insurancey, right? right? Like not even injury. You know? Yeah. Um. So that's an odd thing, but you know he's out for now, and so. So we saw Oleg. So Oleg. For five minutes. Oleg. And look, I mean, they withstood a run. Like that, like that's the Nebraska scoring drought came, and with it, the uh, opponent scoring tide rose, and Nebraska withstood it somehow. I think that that's certainly encouraging. It's against Maine. You know, it's not, you know, the most incredible team in the world that you just beat there. But look, I mean you, you have college basketball college basketball teams across the country have been having trouble with laugh, lackluster opponent i mean providence lost last or almost lost last they night won by a point but there were um, 12 teams i think on monday that lost to a lesser opponent rhode island dropped a bye game on monday creighton was on the ropes so usc lost like, by 13 to fgcu it could be worse could be. It, it could be western illinois 2021 and it wasn't so i think you got to take that as a win, uh, especially if you're Fred Hoiberg, who, you know, probably needs 14 to 16 more to feel good. Yeah, I would say. I mean, every game counts for him. I, I, I don't know how much he's thinking about that every night. Obviously, he probably, and, I, and he's probably got a longer leash than Frost did because he's not, you know, abrasive, really. Right. Yeah, and I like Fred, and we've talked about this a lot on this podcast. We both like Fred a lot, and he's obviously a great just human being in general. Hasn't translated to the court in the last three years, obviously. But, again, this is a game that Nebraska's really had really had trouble with in the past three years, being able to win an opener. And they were able to kick the door down and do it again, as you said, without Derek Walker, which is important. Um, so, numbers, Sam Griesel led the team with 22 points. Second leading scorer, and this dude really made me bite my tongue in the student section, Keisei Tomonaga. Yeah. 19 points on 7 of 12 shooting, 3 for 7 from 3, 2 for 2 from the line. I turned to a couple of our friends that were sitting in the student section with me, and I see Keisei come to the table. And I said, I'm like, I don't want to see Keisei come into the game until it's a double-digit game. Mm-hmm. And he came in with eight point, or when it was an 8-point advantage, and – uh, credit to him. He played a great game. I mean, he was a little – he rushed some things early on, and then he got sat down. He came back into the game, got good looks near the bucket. He was cutting a lot, which I liked a lot from, from Casey. So he got a lot of good looks. Jawan Geary, for the transfer from Alabama, had 14 points. I think he he was one of my favorite performances. Now, the shooting percentage wasn't great, 5 for 15 from the field. 11 rebounds, however, 8 of those offensively. And he was a big reason why – Nebraska was able to kind of stretch that lead in the second half because, I mean, some missed layups, some missed, you know, 15-footers, but Gary was all over the place, and he's not the biggest guy in the world. I believe he's only 6'4". No, 
Yeah, he made some hustle plays. At Tomonaga, I would say, played good. He did. Which, like, that might be the best that he has done while he has been here. Um, you're going to get I, – I I think that's – you know, maybe that line for him is a little bit closer to what we expected even last year where you're going to have times where this team is going to score a lot of points and it's going to shoot well, and you're going to have times where it does not. Um, but this year it's different in that, you know, there are less people that you're dependent on to shoot well to win, um, at least from the from the three-point line. Wilcher's one of those. Tomonaga is one of those. I mean, like outside of that, you, I mean, how many – it's not a Bryce McGowan sort of situation. So – and then when you add Derek Walker back in there, I mean, some of the lineups you can maybe run with Blaze, you know, Blaze Keita and Derek Walker at the same time, and that's certainly encouraging. So, you know, can you get there? Can you get to that point? Uh, you know, that that'll be fascinating to see. The only like two issues defensively that I had, well, a Oleg needs to learn how to get his hands up. That was a big issue. Right, because he's massive. He's seven foot tall, and he didn't put – I don't think he put his hands up to contest a shot one time. Maybe he did once, but that was a big issue. And I need I need more out of Bandamel. I need right. more because he was getting blown by defensively all night. He made nights. some good plays, though. Like, he did, he, he had the did, block. He did put up some good you know, defensive numbers. But, yeah, like – But during that main run, and, he got beat every time. And then you question, too, though, right, like – how how much of that is because they were shooting so well at that time? Well, you know, I, and, and you have to honor that shot more right. so than the drive. You'd rather give up two than three, and that's obviously not like just <laughs> ole, you know, let them come right by. But, you know, honoring honoring the three over the two based off of what was going on. Yeah, but early in that second half, he would go as far as to pick him up at half court. And that whoever their guard was would go to his left every time and beat him to the spot. Somebody would have, to, from the perimeter, would have to come in and help. Boom! Somebody's open. A yeah. late switch and no, I get a, that. It's an easy shot. Um, I mean, you gave up sixty six. Right. Like, so it's overall, not, it's not, it's not perfect, and we didn't expect it to be. No. But that was just one blaring thing that stuck. They didn't out lose. To me. Like, no, they like didn't lose. I feel like I feel like that's the bottom line. Like the bottom line, they didn't lose. That's a good thing. It is a good thing. Nebraska's 1-0. and They host Omaha tomorrow night at Pinnacle Bank Arena, a game that, well, ESPN has the Huskers a 92.7% chance to win. I think it could be closer. I think Omaha could make it interesting. They held their own for three quarters of that game Yeah, they were Kansas. right tight. They were really tight there at Fog Allen. So you have to give them credit there. They have a brand-new coach. Uh, so I'm interested to see how Omaha looks. Uh, on Thursday night, that'll be at seven o'clock at Pinnacle Bank Arena. Go check that game out. So the Huskers host yeah, Omaha. I'm hoping I can be there. And then we've got a real chaos situation going. I know you're going to be there. A conundrum. Yes, I'll be doing color, color on on the student radio station KRNU with our friend Jackson Reddick. So and by the way, if I if I was in attendance. Uh, that would be the first time I have gone to a Husker basketball game as a student. Wow. So, big, big money moves. I don't think you're missing too much there, at least from the past season. But Omaha Thursday, then on the 17th, the following Thursday, this is when things could get ugly, 
Nebraska travels to St. John's in the Gavit games. So that's interesting too, right? Like, I, I didn't – okay, I'm going to check this right now. St. John's opening night, I don't know how they did. But I can tell you, like, I'm not saying they can beat Creighton. That's not what I'm saying at all. In fact, I'm trying to be as far away from that as humanly possible because they won't. They beat Merrimack, by the way, 97-72. But I'm telling you right now, that game could be closer at this point in the year. It's different. Like, if this game was last year, like last year the game was the second week of the season. Like, it could be a little bit closer than expected. Um, But the way it's shaping up this year, being a little bit later, I think Creighton maybe gets enough time to get their poop in a group, so to speak. Um, but I don't know, man, like that was not an inspiring opener from the Jays and I'm, and I'm sure they'll figure it out because they're well coached. We saw what they did last year. They're, they have more talent than they did last year, but what did they not do well last year? Shoot threes, which is really, really different than what we're used to seeing with Greg McDermott teams. And they got better at it as the year went on. But right now, it feels like, at least in that category, Creighton sort of is back in square one compared to 2021. I think the implementation of Baylor Shireman is going to take a little bit of time for them just because they bring so much talent back from that se- from that team last year. And obviously Shireman's a, a great player in his own. He had 10 rebounds in that opener. But I, I think that'll take a little bit of time. I agree with you. I think they do have enough time. It's essentially a month in between the season opener for both of these teams and when they meet on December 4th at, at 3.30 in Omaha. But Nebraska's got St. John's on the road. They come home for three straight, Arkansas Pine Bluff, Oklahoma. Well, actually, that's a neutral site game. I apologize. And then they're back at home for, against Boston College. And then they play Creighton, Indiana, Purdue, Kansas State. So that's a big stretch there of power conference teams for this Nebraska team. So we'll see how they fare. It would be pretty big if they could get a win against Omaha tomorrow night just to set them up 2-0 going into a a power conference matchup. St. John's has the addition of Andre Curbelo, formerly of Illinois. They have a couple of other transfers. Yeah, I know. Oh, that's a weird thing to hear. It is odd. But they they really restructured – I think they restructured their roster quite nicely. And I think St. John's could be a team to look out for in the Big East. So we'll see how Nebraska fares – I assume that game will be at Carneseca Arena. I don't know if they put it in Madison Square Garden. But we'll see if they can can get it done on the road against a a powered team and see how much they can and will and maybe not improve (laughs) against a a good team like St. John's. So let's move on to football. Nebraska travels to Michigan, the third-ranked team of the country. They're undefeated 9-0. And the spread is now on ESPN, Nebraska, plus 31. So this is going to be a doozy. Nebraska 3-6, and 2-4 and four in the conference. Michigan 9-0, and 6-0 oh, oh in the conference. And right now, after last week, Michigan is probably looking like the best team in the Big Ten, dare I say, just because Ohio State struggled so much. I get it's only one week. But I don't know. Blake Corum, that's a scary man. Yeah, so Nebraska in the last three weeks, Chase Brown, Blake Corum, Mo Ibrahim. Welcome to the Big Ten. Um, next week they will finish their cycle of the four horsemen with, jeez, uh, Braylon Allen. <laughs> so, wow, like that, like that's Yikes. a stretch right there. That, like that is a stretch. Uh, 
Blake Corum is probably the best of the four. He's certainly the most explosive. And he also has the best offensive line in front of it. Yes. So, like, like for perspective here, folks, this Michigan offensive line won the Joe Moore Award in 2021 for the best offensive line. They lost their center. They replaced him with a second-team All-American from Virginia Tech, who is a senior and was a finalist last year for the Dave Remington Trophy Award for the Best Center. He will be a finalist again for the same award. He is a Mack truck. That is who's been plowing the holes for Michigan's line. And, you know, they're winning with a quarterback who, look, J.J. McCarthy can make plays. That's why he is starting instead of Cade McNamara. But he's been relatively limited. His outside weapons are not game breakers. Mm -hmm. They're winning because they are dominating the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball and doing it at a level that not many are in the country. Now, it'll, it'll be interesting come playoff time to see what that looks like because we've really felt that way a year ago, especially when you look at what they did to Ohio State. But then they come up against Alabama or really any SEC team. You you saw Alabama do it in the next week. Alabama, rather, Alabama just totally blasted Cincinnati. You saw Alabama win at the line of scrimmage against Cincinnati. And then Georgia just totally embarrassed Michigan on that front. Mm -hmm. So, like, we have this perspective of how good this team is up front. And you compare that to the SEC, and it's a whole other world. That's how it felt last year. Now, will it be the same this year? That's kind of my broad question. As it pertains to Nebraska, you are going to be extremely outclassed on both sides of the line this weekend. And that, you know, maybe more so than Blake Corum, maybe more so than anything that you see on the back end of Michigan's defense, is going to be the reason the Wolverines win by 35. So is that a, a foreshadowing of your pick? Oh, my my God, most certainly. Okay. You bring up the point of Georgia, too, which is interesting because we saw Michigan run into that buzzsaw. And you look at Georgia this year, and it's hard to put a label on them because, you know, they're the team that Missouri almost beat this year. and But, but they, they've woken up for big games. They manhandled Tennessee at home this week, which I was pretty surprised by. But, yeah, Michigan's good up front. J.J. McCarthy doesn't need to be, you know, a walk-on-water type of quarterback. I mean, he's good, as you mentioned. There's a reason why he's starting at Michigan. Over 1,600 yards, 12 touchdowns, two interceptions, 139 for 196 this year. Blake Corum, 199 carries, over 11, almost 1,200 yards, 16 touchdowns. Um, And that's in comparison to these Nebraska guys against Casey Thompson. Will he start? Probably not. No, um, he's, I'm just going to go out there on a limb and say no. He's he's listed as doubtful right now. You mentioned the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball for Michigan. They give up 72 yards on the ground per game, which is a pretty good number. They're coming off of a 52-17 to 17 win over Rutgers on the road. Um, and I'll, I'll just go the points that they've given up in the last five games. Iowa 14, Indiana 10, Penn State 17, Michigan State 7. 
Rutgers seventeenth. So they they play well defensively. You know, by far the most the most stunning stat, and I'll pull it up. I'll pull it up here in a second. Most stunning stat by far, and I'm gonna find it right now. But I got kicked out of my WordPress, and my scout for this week hasn't been uploaded yet, so I have to find it here. But it is crazy to me. I think this is the most like the most definitive piece of this whole story for Michigan so far this year. And it's how badly they have embarrassed teams in the second half. I like I think the like the first thing you're looking at right away, the thing that jumps off the page is what they did to Penn State in the second half. And look, they really dominated Penn State in the first half, but there's a couple of fluky plays and the Nittany Lions are holding, hanging around. They outscored them 38 to nothing in the second half. So far this season, Michigan has outscored their opponents 194 to 48 after halftime. We're going to need some Mickey Joe's adjustments. Absolute domination. Not even close. And I and I think a large I think in large part too like t- kind of to wrap this back around to my line of scrimmage point from earlier, it's because they wear you down on the line of scrimmage. You know, it, like Michigan State was able to get a, a couple of things going in the second half. They were able to get a couple of 50-50 balls, which might be the one weakness that this defense has. But I mean, other than that, they stop the run. And they get home in the pass rush. And they totally just exhaust you. They totally exhaust you. I have a question. Over under nine yards per carry for Blake Corum this weekend. You want the over or the under? That's tough. I'm going to say under because I think he's going to get a lot of carries. And they can't all, they can't all be – I would say under nine. Okay, then I'll ask you this. Over under t- 27 carries. Uh, I'm going to say under. I think he gets like 21, 25. Yeah, the game will probably be over by and the time. And it's <laughs> not just him, by the way. It's not just him who gets right the action in the backfield. That That's the other part of the factor for me, decision, in that decision. Mm-hmm. Spread is 31. Grant, you already said that Nebraska loses by probably 35. Uh, 31 is such a big spread. I don't know. I, I think, though, if Thompson doesn't play and it doesn't look like he will, it's going to be hard to, to pick Nebraska no, they won't. to cover. Um, they can't. They literally cannot. Like, Smothers, I really hope that I can clip this and prove you wrong on Saturday, but it probably won't happen. Look, like Smothers can make more throws than Purdy. But we don't even know if he's going to actually start the game. And which is ridiculous. We also know that he can't really like he can make more throws than Purdy, but that's not saying much. So <laughs> like I like and it's also I feel bad for him because he should start. I don't know if he will, but if he does, he's gonna go out there, just get murked, and then everyone is gonna be saying, Well, let's go back to Purdy. But it's not his fault. It's the fact that he's playing an outstanding defense. Yeah. It's, I it's, mean, they're top five nationally in almost every category. I mean, he started a game before, obviously, much different situation. Not Michigan. It was Iowa at home. 
I feel like you got to give Smothers the shot, not only because he's, I think, the better quarterback out of the two. The dude's been committed to you before Adrian Martinez even took a snap right. at Nebraska. I mean, right. the dude has paid his dues in that program. I think you've got to give him a shot at starting this game. And I know a lot of people would agree with that. And I think that's the right move. Obviously, we know Whipple's a, a stubborn OC. and I mean, rightfully so, I guess. He, he's he been in the, the business it? long enough to kind of say no. But no, I, I, I really disagree with that. Why? Because it's the head coach's decision. Well, clearly the head coach isn't doing enough to make that not his decision. Seemingly. And then you wonder, too, right? Like, the whole hullabaloo the first three weeks of the year and the majority of the offseason was Scott Frost meddling too much in Whipple's game and so now are we getting a reactionary too far not meddling too far hands off from Mickey Joseph on Which the other is, side of that I think that's surprising too because at least from what we've seen I I get the vibe that Mickey's just like he's very business like he's very okay we're gonna do things this yeah. way we're gonna do it the right way we're gonna get this done so I'm surprised that that's like an issue that we're speculating right now right and then the question too becomes how bad is it's I mean is it possible that Smothers is just really that bad in practice and I, I don't think so I there's no way and so like again it's just a fascinating decision this week because you like the whole idea behind Purdy starting instead of Smothers is that Purdy can make the throws, Smothers can't. Well, Smothers made two throws in the final six minutes of the game when you just decided, here, go win the game for us. Uh, he made two throws that were good, good throws. Marcus Washington caught both of them. Uh, then you had one that <clears throat> was dropped by Trey Palmer. Yeah. So. That like whole argument is dead. Um, that that Smothers can't make the throws because he's made he made actually more throws than Purdy has. So there's that for you. It's it's such an odd situation, but you also know it's just like he he went to him way too late, way way too late. Yeah. So now what happens? It's just <clears throat> and if Purdy walks out there, if Purdy walks out there to start. On Saturday, I mean, everybody in this state is going to be losing their ever-loving minds. This reminds me of the Chicago Bears a lot. <laughs> Not this year, but in past years. I mean, it reminds me, on some level, of 2020. I mean, it is, yeah. I think that's a great point. They got to make the right decision here. I think they... I don't think Smothers can be that bad in practice. I really don't. He's shown that he can be a, a decent, like a serviceable quarterback. He can he can move the ball, like that's the like literally that is the simplest concept that it comes down to. He can move the football. Again, Nebraska went f- three and out five straight drives last week you can't yeah. have that. You cannot have that in the Big Ten. Right, like you don't pull you don't pull the plug. With six minutes to go in the fourth quarter, you pull the plug on three and out number two, and you stick with it. Yeah, and I I don't I'd love to be a fly on the wall for that conversation about okay, well, why was he in the game for so long? I that's something that obviously we we aren't there for. 
But I guess fingers crossed that we see number eight, at least if he's not starting a lot more than we have seen him in, in the past couple of weeks. But I think he needs he needs to start uh, against Michigan this week at the big house. So let's move on to our picks. I was one and two two weeks ago, I remember. So I'm 15 and 12. Do you remember what you did? If you need a refresher, I got – I picked Nebraska to cover Illinois. That was wrong. I picked Tennessee to cover Kentucky. That was right. And Kansas State absolutely obliterated Oklahoma State. So I was wrong there. Yeah. Okay. So I think I just I think we're the same record. I think we both went. So we're both fifteen and twelve. Yes. That is my understanding. Sounds good. So fifteen and twelve. I'm digging back here. I, like I don't know how long ago it's been since we've even I've even opened this document. It's, um, it's been a while. We had a week nine, and it's now week 11. Shout week out 12. to our, our professor, Matt Wait, We had a big sports data project due this last week, and it yeah, was just I mean, that was not very was, time good. Well, for me, it, it was, was that was it was that for you, and I had something different. And so it was rough, it was just a rough, very, very busy week. We are juniors in college, so give us a break. Mm. But I'll let you go first this week. What game are you picking? Yeah, uh, I'll start with TCU, Texas. Uh, at Austin, six thirty on ABC. TCU just snuck into the top twenty-five, nine and zero, six and zero in the Big Twelve. First-year head coach, i.e., four-year rebuilds are dead. All right, let's let's just stop saying whoever gets hired here next at Nebraska. They need their guys. The argument to get their guys in is dead and gone. All right, TCU, Texas, Horn Frogs, number four in the country. Coming up against the Longhorns at number 18, who are seven-point favorites. Hell no. Hell no. TCU, give me the Horned Frogs to cover. I don't know if they win outright. They will cover that seven-point spread. No way Texas wins by a touchdown. I think that's going to be a great game. I think it'll be very back and forth. Texas looked good this past week. It's in Austin, which is a big thing. Ooh, t- t- seven is big for Texas, but I, th- I think that'll be a fantastic I'm going to say 27 tw- – well, that's too low scoring. 38-35 TCU. Yeah, that's a very big 12, very big 12 score of you. I, I, would, I would agree with that. I would go along the lines of that. What am I going to pick? I don't that's know. What are you going to pick? great question because I'm going to go to a ranked matchup. Let's go to Kansas State-Baylor. 19th-ranked Wildcats go to the Bears on the road. Baylor, two-and-a-half-point favorites in Waco. They're 6-3 and three now, so after a, a sketchy start, they seem to have the ship righted, at least for now. Kansas State needs a bounce-back game. I don't know if they get it here. I'm going to say I, – I don't, I don't even pay attention. Did Martinez play last week? Do you know against That's Texas? That's a good question. Uh, I don't – I'm going to look. Yes, he did. He yes. Did. He fumbled late. Okay. Oh. Classic. Oh. PTSD. But if Martinez plays, I don't know. I'm going to go Baylor by a field goal at home. So I'm going to say they cover that two and a half points, break you to seven and three. And the Bears are back. So mm, that'll be my back. first pick. All right. Uh, let's go Pac 12. We'll stay in the 6 p.m., 6 30 uh, window. Oregon and number 25, Washington. Huskies just break into the top 25 with a field goal win over Oregon State. Last week, they head to Eugene, where the Ducks are 13 and a half point favorites. Big number right there. Big number. 
I like Oregon to cover it. I agree. Uh, Washington, 7-2, and two, good. Michael Penix, pretty decent numbers, like 3,000 passing yards, 23 touchdowns, 5 picks. Honestly, he's having a better season than Bo Nix. The problem is that Oregon's got a pretty solid rushing, rushing attack. And look, overall, this Oregon team, who is in the midst of an eight-game winning streak, is really different than the team that lost to Georgia to begin the year. Just beat Colorado last week, 49-10. to In fact, they have not played a game within one score since Washington State, who they beat 44-41. Since then, they beat Stanford 45-27, Arizona 49-22, 45-30 against UCLA, 42-24 California, 49-10 Colorado. I like that trend to continue. Give me the Ducks. They'll pull off a 45-20 victory over Washington. I like that. I think the Ducks have looked really, really good as of late, and now everybody's debating whether or not that game against Georgia early in the year should really hurt their college football playoff chances. That's a debate for another day, however. Big one in the Big Ten this week. Number 21, Illinois, hosts Purdue. Purdue 3-3 three and three in the Big Ten. Illinois 4-2 and two in the Big Ten. If Purdue wins this, things could get spicy in in the West race. Things could get really – they could turn on their heads very, very quickly. It's in Champaign. Illinois is a a six-and-a-half-point favorite. That seems high to me. I think Illinois – excuse me, I think Purdue covers that spread. But I think Illinois wins a close one at home, and they stay in first place. As much as I don't like it, they stay in first place in the Big Ten West. So I'm going to go Purdue cover, but Illinois pulls it out at the fake Memorial Stadium in Champaign. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Very fair. I think that, obviously, Illinois, fantastic defense. Purdue, if they get going offensively and O'Connell's in a groove, that could be dangerous. So that's why I think that that game will be pretty close. Um, but but we'll have to see. But I'm going to go Purdue cover. Illinois wins. All right, on to the, on to the one. On to the, on to the, the game of the hour. All right, Michigan, 29.5-point favorites against Nebraska at the Big House. Most entertaining part of this game will be the fact that Robert Griffin III is doing color commentary. No way. Michigan wins 38-3. to Who's he doing it with? Mark Jones. Okay. I did not know that. Now, now I'm kind of excited. But, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to even go off of the uh, ESPN spread 31 points yeah I'll, I'll pull it up there i'll give it up to 31 31 i mean you you would cover it regardless i'm gonna go mm, i'm gonna go 44 to 10 michigan michigan i don't even know if they score a touchdown they'll they'll get a touchdown with two minutes left in the fourth quarter so it'll be 44 to 3 for a while i don't know i don't know if they're if they're scoring a touchdown it's on the opening drive uh, maybe I don't. I think they'll get to ten somehow, some way. But forty-four to ten, Michigan is my score. We both have Nebraska not covering and not winning <laughs> in Michigan. The Huskers need a win to keep themselves in contention for a bowl. I know that that conversation has been just thrown around like crazy this season, and I mean it, it kind of had to have been at some points. I mean this has just been a roller coaster ride of a year, but. Michigan wins big, 2:30 ABC at the Big House, and yeah. they stay undefeated and first place. By the way, Nebraska is not even the biggest Big Ten dog this week. That's uh, Indiana. Oh, 
Really? Indiana is a 44-point dog at the horseshoe. Oh, that's right. I forgot they play Ohio State this week. I was going to say Northwestern, but they play Minnesota. Speaking of Northwest, I just want to give a shout-out to the Cats and Fitz for only losing by 14 to Ohio State last weekend. Good job, guys. I know the wind helped you out a lot, but good job. Yeah, Ohio I State I can't looks... believe that. I mean, this is like one of the first times that I feel like Georgia, you feel pretty certain. But yeah, man, like every, week, yeah. everybody else, everybody else in the top 25, in the top 10. In the top, like everybody but one, really. Yeah, everybody I mean, but Georgia is a question mark. I mean, TCU, obviously they're good, but like, will they stay at four? That's a, and, and when they Tennessee and sneak that's in? The, that's like, the thing, though. Like, when they play Georgia. Yeah, I mean, the, the, game the, over. Yeah, the, the, yeah, and that's the that's a tough question. That's why we're having a twelve team playoff eventually in in twenty twenty four. So we both have Michigan winning big. I don't really think there's that much more to say about this matchup other than Michigan's really good. Nebraska really isn't that. good. And Miles Farmer will be playing. There's that too. Yeah. Well, yeah. There is that. DUI. Too. The DUI alert. But I'm sure everybody saw that on their Twitter machines this week. Uh, that was yesterday, right? I think yesterday, so. as we recorded on Wednesday. Yes. Yeah, so. Oh, man, it's, yeah, just a lot of things going on. But Michigan-Nebraska, 2.30 ABC. You have Nebraska ball tomorrow night and Friday night. Tomorrow night, the men's team takes on Omaha at 7 o'clock. And then Friday night, Houston Christian comes to town to take on the women's team at 8 o'clock. Both of those games at PBA, so don't miss those as well. So that will do it for us on episode 104 of Husker Sports Weekly. We talked Nebraska-Minnesota, reviewed that game. We talked the season openers for men's and women's basketball, and we previewed Nebraska-Michigan for this Saturday. Once again, you can find us on Twitter at C underscore Clark underscore 27 and at Hanson, not Hanson. You can find our show on Twitter at Husker Weekly and search Husker Sports Weekly in the search bar of your favorite podcast networks to find our show. Thank you so much for bearing with us in our crazy schedules. I promise you we will be back on Sunday for another rapid reaction, but until then, go Big Red.